This is Sophie Wilson, and you are listening to the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. Support the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast on patreon.com slash slowboatsailing. Hi, I'm Linus Wilson, and this is episode 40 of the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. On this episode, we're going to hear from the two sailors, Ms. Jennifer Apple and Natasha Fuiva, who uh, were rescued by the USS Ashland Navy ship in the South Pacific after they had spent five months at sea trying to get from Hawaii to Tahiti unsuccessfully. I talked to Greg Cutson of Mantis Anchors about why weight in the tip of the Mantis Anchor is so important. The main issue I perceived with Anchors was not really ultimate holding power. The reason they failed was because they never really properly set first place. So very rarely, 25 knots, you're overpowering a well-set anchor. We wanted to create something that guarantees you a universal set. As a cruiser, when you go around, you find unique locations that are really hard to get an anchor to bite. And we solved that problem. Go to mantisanchors.com to order yours for a better night's sleep. Mantis Anchors is a corporate sponsor of this episode. I wasn't planning on originally doing uh, this as the episode 40 guest, but I think it's a pretty interesting story and it's been kind of picked up by the national news media. What I have for you today is is a uh, public access recording, so when the Navy records it, they don't uh, assert copyright, and that's why I'm able to uh, bring you this uh, recording, which I edited uh, for clarity and pacing. Uh, it it involves uh, the two sailors. They they also sailed with two dogs on the Sea Nymph out of Oahu. That's where Honolulu is in, in Hawaii. They had some difficulties. You'll find out what they are. Uh, in particular, they started out, they, they ran into a Force 11 storm, they said, uh, and, then, and then they uh, got in another storm and had some engine problems. I'll tell you, I have a lot of questions, even after uh, creating a video about this. You can see the video on the Slow Boat Sailing YouTube channel, and uh, the video uh, with the Lost at Sea picture, I, I think that uh, it still leaves some unanswered questions, but you get to see their boat, you get to see their cute dogs, and and uh, you can tell from the, the audio here that uh, Jennifer Apple is a uh, you know, very uh, engaging speaker and uh, uh, very energetic, very happy to be on the, the Navy ship. You know, I think, you know, one of the unfortunate things is that uh, no member of the sailing press uh, was uh, on this conference call. So you have kind of reporters, I don't know what their backgrounds are, from NBC News and ABC News. And while they do ask good questions, they don't have the in-depth knowledge that you'd expect from somebody in the sailing realm. So I'll leave my comments for the other side of the conference call. So here are the castaways 
from SVC NIF, a 50-foot sailboat that was adrift for five months and well off its course and picked up 900 miles off of Japan. You'll first hear the press officer for the Navy introducing everyone. Actually, as you might have Googled, is an amphibious ship carries Marines, and it was headed down. Uh, it's scheduled to participate in an exercise with Marines upcoming, but on its way down, it was uh, obviously, as you guys saw from the press release, got a distress call and then quickly reacted. Um, so I've, we've got uh, on the line here the commanding officer, uh, Commander Steve Watson uh, of U.S. Ashland. We've got the two manners, Jennifer Apple and uh, Tasha Fuaba. Um, and we've got two other uh, sailors, Lieutenant Junior Grade Cody Colbert and uh, Petty Officer Third Class Eric John. Uh, those two were just involved on the boat team to do the rescue. Uh, just as a, a recap, and I'll let them kind of start uh, to give their story, but as you guys probably saw from the press release, uh, we've got the, we being the U.S. Navy, uh, got the distress uh, very early morning, uh, around 1.30, uh, just from uh, just a number of sources. We got it from the Taiwanese fishing vessel put out uh, sort of via satellite phone, to, and it went through uh, Coast Guard sector Guam and then on to us and then we were uh, the U.S. Ashland was tasked to go out there made best feed found located uh, the distressed vessel with the uh, two ladies on board and, and proceeded as our procedures go to you know, render assistance get the boat out there get the right crews and then um, ultimately it was deemed that their vessel was unseaworthy and so we brought them on and that's where they're at now so what we'll do is um, Open it up to questions. I'd like to do um, one question and then your and then one follow-up. We'll try to do about five, five, six, um, but certainly um, just want to make sure that everyone gets a chance uh, to ask if you have uh, follow-on. So if you hear kind of silence, just go ahead and, and jump in. But what I ask is give your name, give the outlet you're with, and then. Uh, who you would like to answer the question. Hi there, this is Allison Blair with Hawaii News Now. Um, I guess this question is directed towards Jennifer. Uh, we saw the video of you uh, on board the boat uh, when the moment when your rescuers arrived. Describe the moment you saw the Navy and what was going through your mind. You were throwing a shaka, blowing kisses. What were you thinking? Thank God you've been rescued. Uh, it was I have tears in my eyes as I say this. It was incredibly emotional, um, and it was—it was so satisfying to know the men and women that serve our country would come and and assist us. It was—it was actually quite mind blowing and incredibly humbling. Can you tell me also where you were docked in Oahu? Uh, we had a mooring at Kahi, Kahi Small Boat Harbor with Deborah Dwight, and we also spent time at the Alawas with Ken Chi. Did Jennifer and Natasha, can you guys can you guys walk us through what happened? Kind of uh, you know the series of events that led to you being stranded. 
Hey, real quick, just uh, I think we had a couple people just join us. Uh, for those that just join, uh, we've got um, the Ashland crew and the two Mariners on. Uh, what I've asked of everyone is just um, provide your name of the news outlet and um, where you're from. So uh, before you ask your question, thanks everyone. Jennifer, Natasha, it's Miguel Almaguer with NBC News. I'm curious if you guys could kind of walk us through kind of the series of events that led to you being stranded and what you were thinking over that five months. We had a, a spreader that actually failed. Uh, for people who do not know sailboats, when you think of the mast, the big stick in the center, and you make the little cross, one of those sides of the cross broke. And without that, uh, you have a structural integrity problem that continues to cause a failure for that section that holds the mass to the back of the boat. And so we could proceed by, we made some modifications in order to proceed, but we could not uh, go more than about four to five knots. So we had limited capability to maneuver. Um, we got into a pretty bad storm and uh, the motor got flooded and the solenoid for the starter uh, was destroyed. So we were able to maneuver on a limited basis um, and our communications uh, also failed. So during the time, the five months at sea where we got to figure out how the ocean works, we enjoyed learning about the ocean, its creatures, the weather, staying sane, and um, we did hail a number of different ships that we saw during the five months. Uh, no one had responded until we saw the Taiwanese fishing vessel. Um, fishing, the fishing vessel was very kind, but they were not adept at towing the boat, and additional structural damage occurred during the 24 hours that we were with them. So they graciously allowed me to swim over to their boat uh, to make a, a mayday call because we probably had less than 24 hours before our boat sank if we continued on with them. Can you speak a little bit? This is Howard Dash from Honolulu Channel 2 News. Um, clearly you had ample supplies. Clearly you're very experienced. So you set out on a journey like this, there's always an expectation, or maybe not an expectation, but a realization that something like this could happen. It seems that you were as prepared as you could possibly be, true? We did the best we could. Um, there's a book called A Voyage for Mad Men, and it was the very first around the world race. Nine men set out to do it, and only one came back. And being that, that that's the basis for our understanding of what can happen out in the ocean and talking with other sailors who had made the exact same trip from Honolulu to Tahiti. They said, pack every square inch of your boat with food. And if you think you need a month, pack six months because you have no idea what could possibly happen out there. And the sailors in Honolulu really gave us good advice. Were there periods when you were out there that you thought, this is it, this is the way this story is going to end? We survived two different shark attacks, and at both of them, 
we actually thought it was lights out, and they were horrific. And it is. Well, uh, just, and uh, apologies for jumping in. Just so we know, this is Jennifer speaking right now, and we've only been hearing from Jennifer so far. Okay. Good. Uh, it is. It's Tasha. My bad. Oh, okay. that was Tasha who was just um, speaking. Just out that sharks are very intelligent, and they work in packs, and um, at least they give you four before they see you. I think to answer your first question, yes, the first person I was talking to was Jennifer and then Natasha just now. Okay, got you. Thank you. Could you guys just elaborate a little bit more on that, on the sharks and what happened? I'm a little confused. Um, if you think it's... This is Jennifer. And we were very slowly maneuvering through their living room, and they came by to slap their tails and tell us that we needed to move along, and we did not understand their language at first. So they, um, the first group of tiger sharks were probably 20 to 30 feet in length. There were five of them, and they had two babies, and they decided to use our vessel to teach their children how to hunt. And they attacked at night. The next morning, a pod of five male dolphins showed up to us and see if we were alive. They first noticed the boys, Valentine and Zeus. Then they saw me, but they would not leave the boat until they heard Natasha speak. And when they did, they went about 200 yards off the port bow and started doing flips. And later that evening, at least, 70 of their cousins, brothers, friends, and relatives all came to have a party by the boat. And we knew that that was special. The next morning, one of the tiger sharks, who um, was a really short loser, came by, and he was about 20 feet long. Uh, it came up, and freeboard hit the starboard quarter, which is the back side of the boat. So I do understand how uh, freeboard holding occurs. We were just incredibly lucky that our hull was strong enough to withstand the onslaught. Like to eat dogs. I know you haven't even made your way back to land again, but do you already have plans to set sail again, or have you kind of had enough of the water for the moment? We are actually looking forward to seeing the sea nymph again, hopefully in Okinawa, so that we can repair her and sail her back north of the French Frigate Shoals and back into Oahu. No fear. Well, you got to die sometime. You may as well be doing something you enjoy when you're doing it, right? <laughs> Good for you. Sorry, can you tell us the name of your sailboat one more time? Oh, I apologize. This is Jennifer. The current time, the boat is adrift and is working its way towards uh, space, roughly of the northern Marianas to the southern part of the Japanese Nento Soto Islands. And we are hopeful that some other vessel who is crossing from either the Philippines, South China Sea, or Japan on their way to Oahu, to Honolulu Harbor to deliver goods, would be able to spot it and let the U.S. 
Atlantic Coast Guard at Honolulu sector know about that to help us retrieve the boat. Can you tell us the name of your boat one more time? Yes, it was the Sea Nymph. Hi, this is Louis Martinez with ABC News. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. So one question that I've gotten is, this is obviously a sailboat. How could you not sail to your destination? So the rigging, which holds the mast, which is a, that mast weighs a little over 600 pounds. It's 57 feet tall, so it's roughly six stories in the air. And the, the metal pieces that hold it in place broke. And so it's kind of hard to hold up fabric that can move a 25-ton boat in 20-knot winds if the entire thing is shaking and ready to fall over and capsize the boat. Picture your house getting shook with an earthquake and walls starting to come apart. And yet you can't get any help at all because you're in the middle of nowhere. And if it falls apart around you, you're swimming and you're shark bait. So no, we could not sell. And just to be clear, Jennifer, did you leave from Ke'ehi or Alawai Boat Harbor? Alawai. And can I ask how the how the rigging got damaged? I mean, was it was it in that initial storm in May? In fairness, I spent two years rebuilding that boat, the hull, and I had hired a rigger from Hawaii to resize the rigging for me so that there would be no issues, and I hired an electrician from Hawaii so that all of our communications would work properly. And apparently when they did the mathematical calculations for the sizing, they downsized instead of upsizing. And their stress loads were too great for the structural capabilities. Where is the next port of call for you guys? When do you expect to be back on land? Hey, I'm going to jump in on this, guys. Just... um. Just Navy policy, you know, we're not allowed to to say um, discuss ship movements. But um, we once we get to the destination, we'll we'll announce to everyone. I have one quick. This is Phil Helson from NBCNews.com. I have one quick question about the person who said uh, you have to go, you have to die sometime. You might as well be doing something you enjoy when you're doing it. Um, that was uh, that was Miss Apple, or was that Tasha? Uh, that's Miss Apple. Um, when we when we left on May 3rd, we were going towards Maui, and when we were crossing between uh, Maui and the Big Island of the Alanui Haha, we ended up in a 4-11 storm that night, and that's roughly uh, 50 to 70 mile an hour winds and waves in the 20 to 35 foot category, and that lasted for two days, and, I'm sorry, three days and two nights. And I was leased into the boat in order to sail that entire 80 hours. Um, most people would never get into a Force 11 storm. We also suffered a Force 8 and a Force 9 because we did not have the communication to know that we were traveling into a storm. But we were very spiritual people and were extremely appreciative to the ocean for not destroying us sooner and allowing us to be recovered before we entered the most recent storm that we just missed. Would you guys mind just pronouncing both your last names so we have them correctly? My last name is Appel, but all of my friends call me Apple, and mine is Fuyaba, that's in French, 
B-U-I-A-B is in Victor, A. So Fuiava, not B-A, Fuiava. Okay. And then one one last question for me. Uh, that daily distress call that you guys made for so long with getting no response, was it, you know, hard to make that call every day? I mean, what was going through your mind? Oh, yes. That was incredibly depressing. Um, every day we called for uh, 99 days. 98 days, we were rescued on the 99th. Um, and it, it just, it, seemed, it was very depressing and it was very hopeless, but it's the only thing you can do. So you do what you can with what you have. You have no other choice. And be happy. Like, what are your odds? You're alive, you're fed, you have water. The yeah. boys are happy, and there's love. <laughs> and there's different sunrises and sunsets every day. And you're around for a reason, right? But you may as well use the time you have to do something beneficial, right? Can I follow up? I think in your opening statement, you said you mentioned that there were some vessels that were within your site, but that they did not respond. Is that correct? That is correct. And was that because you were on different frequencies, or what, why do you think that was? Or how close were they? Well, our... When, from our boat, we could see roughly eight nautical miles, and we would hail them, and we shot at least, we shot ten different flares uh, throughout that time period. <coughs> People, I, I, I cannot speak for someone else on another ship. They may have been having some kind of motor issue that they were dealing with and their bridge did not see us. Maybe they never heard our, our communication. Um, if they felt that we were not in imminent danger, they are not required to uh, assist us unless they are within five nautical miles. And we understood that. That's part of maritime law. One last question for me with NBC News. Uh, I'm just curious what it was like to be trapped on a sailboat with two dogs and just two people for five months. That's a long time to be together in a small quarters. I built that boat, and that was something that was made from love, and it's the best sleep I've ever had in my life. There's no drama. There's no crime. There's, you don't know about the outside world. You can connect. You can connect with the Kama Aina, even though you're in the water. Um, and I believe that all sailors have a, a different genetic code to them where they can communicate with their surrounding environment. And they're grateful to be back on land, but they don't miss the traffic or the sirens or any, any of the, you know, the long lines or the honking horns or any of the things that are attached to land-based life. So we did our best to appreciate the time that we had. Can you tell us the names of the dogs and just what breeds or what type of dogs and their names, just so we have it? Um, Valentine, the Bisla. Yes, a Hungarian hunting dog. And the Zeus, who is a Pitbull slash Sharpe. I'm sorry, what was the second name? Zeus. Zeus, cool. Zeus is dead. 
Hi there, it's Lauren Spector with NBC News. Um, I just wanted to know, how did you keep track of how many days were going by, and was there ever a day where you just started to lose hope of even being found? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, we wouldn't be human if we did not have the, the human aspect of breaking down and crying and and wondering, you know, if there, there is a, a, a true humility to wondering if today is your last day, if tonight is your last night, if the storm that's approaching is going to bring down the rig and that's it. Uh, what do you, how do you get back? If, someone, if they can't see you on a 50-foot sailboat, with stories of mass, how are they going to find you in a little yellow rubber dinghy that can barely make it over a three-foot wave? Every ship has a ship's log, and so every day, uh, and almost on the hour to every two hours, we wrote our location and the conditions that we were in, and we took videos. Uh, I have a Geiger counter. We took radiation readings on a regular basis to see uh, how the radiation from Fukushima, Japan, was affecting the areas that we were in. Um, we tried to make as copious notes as we could in order to detail the experiences. And then the events like the shark attack, we wrote the stories of um, when the dolphins would come. The dogs would let us know because they could smell the dolphins coming. And videotaping them barking and having fun you know, when, when we would see marlins or, or different, we'd have flying fish and squids landing on the deck. And if those had been foods that we would eat, we would probably have been fine, right? But we don't, so we just talk them back. Hey everyone, we're going to do uh, one final question. And, uh, Commander Watson, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Right, my question for you, Commander, is... Um, so who notified your ship about these uh, distressed mariners? And once you received that notification, what are kind of like the procedures that your your ship takes? How do you kind of respond to those calls? We were notified uh, very early in the morning uh, over communications, uh, Coast Guard and uh, our bosses as well, and we're given a lat long to drive to. So uh, we made best speed available to that, uh, that lat long and search that area and then um, received another additional updated lat long and it was really that second one that we received uh, further to the east of where we were uh, is when we found uh, the Taiwanese vessel and the sailing vessel together. Once you found them, just to follow up on that, once you found them, what were kind of the next steps that you took? What, I, in terms of how does the crew, your, how does your crew respond? What do they do? We got assembled our, uh, our boat crew, DBS. We didn't know what we were coming upon, so we prepared for any contingency. But we did lower uh, our small boat with a boat crew, um, in, an engineer and um, uh, electrician that could uh, potentially, uh, we, we didn't know the situation of their sailing vessel, so we put the, that crew together, put our small boat in the water, went over to the sailing vessel. Uh, two of our members embarked on, the, on their sailing vessel, uh, kind of assessed the, the damage and see if it was anything that, uh, we could assist with, once it was determined that it was beyond ship force capability, we uh, gathered uh, the two dogs, the two women, and brought them back uh, on board our ship. Have you ever participated in a rescue operation like that before? No, not with a Hello? sailing vessel. And, 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 no. Okay, thank you. This is Jennifer. Um, people who may not understand traveling with pets, 
those are our companion animals. And they actually made the bad times so much better. If we had not had them to increase the levity during the really hard times, I am absolutely positive that our attitude would not have been as positive as it was. And on top of that, I, I cannot begin to tell you how professional and polite and clean and perfect and amazing this shift and its personnel have been. They have attended to us with pig gloves and I, I've never been on a Navy ship before, but you could eat off the floor. It is an amazing place. Um, Jennifer, can you tell us how, how long the, how, the the length of the sailboat, how many feet? Five zero. Got it. And, and how long was how long was this trip in, in the making? Two and a half years. How did it come about? And was there a larger was part of a larger stretch of of, it, of the journey? I have traveled the Hawaiian Islands. Um, I've been in Hawaii for ten years, and I'd already traveled the islands, and I wanted to go. The other 20,000 islands in the South Pacific, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. When I asked Natasha if she would like to join me, I told her, I said, I do not know what we are going to do. You know, I have no idea what's going to happen out there. And she said, that's okay. I've never failed. So <laughs> this, this amazing woman beside me had honestly never failed a day in her life before we left on May 3rd. She did not, she didn't even know to be scared <laughs> during the fourth 11 storm, which if I might add is the, the only, it, it's fourth 11 and then hurricane. I mean, this is, yeah. this is the kind of thing you just avoid. Um, she stuck it through the white claw. She stuck it out through the shark attacks the first time. She stuck it out through the 40 to 50 foot sharks that were that broke somebody else's boat because we saw parts of their boat float by us three days later. We know they're killers. And she didn't flinch at things that I expect grown men to cry about. So I, I was stoked to have the love that, that we did. How far to Tahiti did you guys get? How far to Tahiti did we get? Oh, oh we got to eight... Uh, a little over eight, almost nine degrees south, and that would have put us about ten degrees or six hundred miles short of our destination. How do you two know was each just other? One more question about how you both knew each other, and then we'll we'll wrap up from there. I had a temporary job at security at a haul out at the at the boatyard at KMI, and um, I met Jen there because she had her boat at haul out. Yep, she was the only chick there working on the boat, and it was. It was the saddest thing in the world because she had to work at night because every day she would have to put up with men telling her, you're not supposed to be doing that. What are you doing? Don't mess with the hole. But I kid you not, if she did not do what she did to that hole, we would have died a thousand times over by sharks, by the weather. I mean, by hitting a log. By hitting a log, which we did. Thankfully not going over to like, I met her there, and uh, we had the boys, and I was just like, oh, this is the cutest dog in the world. And right there, click, best friend. <laughs> and then um, I was about to quit my job and go to Cali to help out my aunt. And she was like, oh, 
things here so the spreader supposedly uh, was damaged in the the force 11 storm okay so i think that one of the big things is just maybe it's not a mystery but it's a judgment error that a should not have sailed into the force 11 storm she should even with limited communications had a forecast of that and uh once they had sailed into the Force 11 storm, they should have went back into port because they were right next to the Hawaiian Islands and licked their wounds and and made sure everything was ship-shaped before they went back out to sea. That's my opinion. You know, the other thing is there's this big mystery about what kind of communications they have on board, and I still don't know that. I don't know if they had SSP don't know if they had uh, any type of satellite phone. I get the impression from all the editing I've done uh, that it, the owner, I believe it's Jennifer Apple, uh, was not super low budget cruiser because she did say that she paid somebody to do the rigging and she paid somebody to do the electronics. And that's not really the actions of a, a super low budget cruiser. So I would think that she could spring for a EPIRB and a SAT phone or an SSB. Perhaps she didn't know how to use either one of those things. Um, one of the things I think, because the VHF was working and the water maker was working, it seems likely that they had electricity uh, to a certain extent and they could have got the communications working. Um, but, you know, it's conceivable that because she had uh, people install the communications for her or install the electronics that she didn't know them very well uh, and that may have been part of the problem. I think that another big issue is uh, which will come out in, in, in what I'm going to put up on the bonus uh, episode. So they, they had a later interview by just the Navy, but no reporters, uh, which kind of gets into more detail about, uh, and you can see it on the, the Slow Boat Sailing YouTube channel, uh, the sailing mystery uh, video that I have on the YouTube channel. You can see that part of the interview, but I'll put it on as the bonus episode for patrons only. Uh, they, they mentioned that they did sail by some atolls and they saw, uh, you know, very high currents. And that indicates to me, so 11 knot currents, which is ridiculous. Uh, that indicates to me that uh, those were past currents, not open water currents, because there aren't open water currents of 11 knots. If they didn't know how to time the passes, 
because that's what you have to do for an atoll that you need to go in at slack tide. The other thing is if you're getting close to islands, why can't you call for a tow? So those are all big questions in my mind uh, that I don't know an answer to. I mean, if they're close to islands, then they're in VHF range and they can hail somebody and conceivably somebody uh, can give them a tow. Like, you know, by the time the, the Japanese fishing vessel was towing them their way out in the open ocean, very difficult tow to do. But if you're a few miles out and in your, it's in good conditions, then it's conceivable uh, they could have got a tow. Uh, you know, I, I guess the other huge thing I think that uh, weighs on a lot of people's minds that I've seen on Facebook comments, for example, is if you can go to four to five knots, as they said, you can go anywhere. I mean, in five months, you can, you can get around the world. Uh, they certainly could have got a, the mainland Asia if they wanted to. And, uh, it, uh, but I think they, they possibly they were going in circles a little bit. Uh, and, and perhaps that was uh, due to just bad judgment uh, it's not clear to me from all the editing that I've done that, that, that they, but it's also not decisive that they didn't have GPS. I think they did. My guess is they did have GPS because they seemed in sub, this, the interview that I'll put up uh, for the bonus episode and that's also reproduced in video format on the YouTube channel uh, that it, they did seem to know where islands were, and that wasn't a big issue. All right. Thanks a lot. Goodbye for now, and have some fun on the water. I'm Linus Wilson. If you like this episode, please leave a nice rating or review on iTunes and to help get out the word. Hi, I'm Jana Wilson. Thank you for listening to the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. Subscribe to our free newsletter at slowboatsailing.com.